Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series, where we're talking to CEOs all about their huge failures in business. And with us in the hot seat uh, today is none other than the man, the legend, Lawrence Girard, the CEO of FruitStreet.com. Lawrence, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Beautiful, man. So why don't you kick us off with the elevator pitch? What are you guys up to at Fruit Street? Yeah, so we deliver a diabetes prevention program. Uh, so actually one in three people are pre-diabetic or one in three adults, which, which means that they have elevated blood glucose and they have a very high risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Some people think that you know 70% of people with pre-diabetes might develop type 2 diabetes in their lifetime, which leads to amputation, stroke, heart disease, blindness, nothing good. Um, and so we have this diabetes prevention program that goes out and we find these people with prediabetes and we put them through this 12 month uh, diet and lifestyle program where they can video conference with a dietitian and a group of 30 other people on Zoom going over topics like diet, exercise, sleep, stress management. We also issue them a wireless scale on the Fitbit so they can track weight loss progress, physical activity. Then they can take pictures of their food in our mobile app and get feedback from the dietitian. It's kind of like an Instagram style food log. And then we're adding other cool features like healthy food delivery, uh, getting a blood test to verify if you reverse your prediabetes. But it's a program that just helps people get healthier and avoid type 2 diabetes. That's crazy, man. My mom had uh, late onset diabetes, interestingly. Mm. Yeah. And um, and I've, I've, I've always wondered why. Like, how does how do you, you know, like... Because, I mean, like, I don't drink or, you know, do drags or anything like I used to. <laughs> no, uh, so, like, but, I, but, you know, like, uh, so now my vice is, like, ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Oh, me too. Same. Ice cream and pizza. Yeah. Dude, like, don't take my freaking pizza away from me, man. You know what I mean? Like, I'll kill you. <laughs> no, exactly. You know what I mean? But then I think, shit, is this, am I going to get diabetes? Like, my mom, like, got it. So, maybe I should be more, you know, like, maybe as a, so, like, yeah. how do you, is it accurate? Like, how, how do you know if someone is going to, is, is, you know, is going to fall into your diabetes bucket? Yeah. yeah. Well, if you want a quick answer, you can just go to fruitstreet.com and take our one minute risk quiz. This is a risk quiz developed by the CDC that asks you questions about like your age, gender, height and weight, that kind of thing. And it will give you a quick result of your high risk or low risk for prediabetes. But if you want to really check, you can get um, a blood test called the hemoglobin A1C test, right. which is an average measure of your blood glucose. So like if you're between... 5.7 and 6.3, you're pre-diabetic. If you're above 6.3, you have type 2 diabetes. So it's a good test to do periodically. But if you want to know quickly, you can just go to fruitstreet.com after we record and take a risk quiz. But definitely getting that blood test would, would help as well. <laughs> I'm heading over there now. Be prepare for the onslaught <laughs> of people looking for tests. Oh, well, let me increase the price quickly. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was free a minute ago. Now it's not. All right. right. <laughs> well, look, let's get into the meat and the potatoes of this uh, series. So it's all about failure. So, Lawrence, what is your story of failure for our audience today? I have a big one related to the pandemic. So, as you know, we're a telemedicine company which might lead you to believe that I am now a multimillionaire uh, after the uh, pandemic accelerated global telemedicine adoption where nobody could leave their house. Nobody could even see a doctor in person. We had lockdown orders. The only way to see a doctor was through telemedicine. So we were delivering our diabetes prevention program at the time. And we thought we should really do something to, you know, help battle COVID because, you know, we're a telemedicine company and this is our time to save the world. And 
yeah, people need to lose weight. They need to be a little healthier. But COVID seems a little bit more of like an emergency right now. So it was March of 2020. You know, President Trump just got on TV and was like, Medicare is paying for telemedicine, 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 telemedicine. We're like, all right, we're going to we're going to build a telemedicine product where you can talk to a doctor and get an at home COVID test, like a PCR test. Right. Um, and so we bought the domain name covidmd.com for like thirty five thousand dollars and got the <laughs> trademark. And and it was like cheaper, but like we waited two days. So it went up. I think it was like 10 grand, went up to thirty five thousand. And we proceeded to spend millions of dollars developing a second product within the same company because we thought like, all right, we're going to get, you know, every doctor in America to sign up for the service. We're going to get millions of people to use it and we're going to we're going to save lives. Um, That's when we ultimately realized that startups are very resource constrained companies that need to focus on, uh, you know, doing one product well. But COVID-MD never generated $1 of revenue, despite uh, millions of dollars of product development going into it. So that is the story of failure. That's an epic story, buddy. So uh, tell me, what did you learn from that? Yeah. So um, first of all, I I skipped ahead a little bit, but startups need to focus on doing one thing really well, because it's hard enough to get one product to go from scratch up to 50 million in revenue. Like that is an insurmountable task, even if you're a publicly traded company. So just come up with an idea and like bring it to 50 million in revenue, right? There's many public companies that fail at doing that. So to think that you're going to be a startup and you're going to do five products at the same time or even two products at the same time when you don't have that much capital is just a big mistake. And in hindsight, which is always 2020, if we would have just focused on that diabetes prevention product kept our costs low. We would have been so profitable. We would have taken on less debt. We could have taken a product that was already very good and made it incredible. Um, So if you are working on a startup, you need to do one thing really well and don't get distracted by shiny objects or things that sound really good. One product is the key. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, man. Discipline is your destiny, right? And so you can just stay in your lane. I mean, this is the the problem with visionaries. (laughs) Like most yeah. company, most startups, like, I don't know, I wouldn't say that you're necessarily a startup anymore, but, you know, I think a lot of startup founders, um, they get romanced by the shiny new stone and then they go all yeah. in on that and then just like what you did, right? And then they wind up uh, losing, like they're losing financial costs, time, sunk cost, everything. Uh, when yeah. they, if they had just stayed in their lane, they, uh, they would have a far greater propensity to succeed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and if you get in one product to even five or 10 million in revenue, you'll probably have an exit. You'll probably be successful. You keep your customers happy You keep your costs low. I mean, I think the other lesson is just keep your costs low. Like you're going to launch another product. You're going to start spending millions of dollars. Right. And I think, I think every entrepreneur in hindsight could go back and look at the money they spent and be like, yeah, I probably spent millions of dollars. I should not have spent, Yeah, you know? And so just like being disciplined, keeping those costs low, I think is another, you know, lesson. It's it's amazing how like a lot of tech companies are doing multiple rounds of layoffs. And every time they do a layoff, they think that's, there's no way, there's no way we could possibly have less people or less costs. And then they do it three more times. And, um, you know, it's easy to be an entrepreneur and like raise tons of capital and hire people and look like you have a company, but you know, it's really hard having low costs, doing a lot with very little and being profitable. That's a, that's a big difference. 
Yeah, your man, it's, it's especially first-time founders. Like, I remember when I made my first million, I was like, cool, I'm going to go and spend that shit on stuff I don't need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, sports cars and this kind of stuff. And, and, then, you, and then, then shit happens. And you're like, hmm, yeah. I wish I hadn't spent the money on that. <laughs> yeah, or even just, like, getting overly cocky with business expenses. Like, you know, okay, now I'm going to go spend tons of money building a new product or – you know, doing marketing that's maybe too aggressive, right? Um, it kind of gets to your your head a little bit at times, so you have to be be careful about that. Yeah, I did. I was the same, man. I did the same thing. My previous company, uh, we started, you know, services business, started developing a whole bunch of technology products because I was like, cool, let's. Because I wanted to sell the thing, and I knew that technology would be a key part of the story to an acquirer, and so put millions into developing products that never made a cent. Well, that's not true. They made some money. Um, yeah. but they never, but it became, it was, we were too small a team, 55 people to deal with a massive services business. And then like four technology products. It's like, what the fuck dude? Like you're never going to scale that shit. And this is the, yeah. it's the myth, right? Like if I add more to the business, the more money I'm going to make, it's not true. It's the actual opposite of that. Yeah. Well, also people just, make this mistake of thinking the best product wins, which is so far from the truth. Like you're not, you could spend millions of dollars, have the best product. You're not going to beat a company that has a better distribution strategy than you, because that's how you get to the customer. Yeah. So like, in, 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 you know, it's like, if I said you could have a great product and a bad distribution strategy versus a mediocre product and a kind of good distribution strategy, I picked the second one because if you have the distribution to the customer, you'll probably be fine. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool, man. So let's go back in time. What would you do differently? Uh, first of all, don't do anything related to COVID MD. That's like a banned word in the company now, except for le learning from the failure. But, um, but no, just like don't build a second product, right? Focus on one product and do it really well and keep the product development costs low so that you can get into that marketing and sales mode because there's a certain point where a startup has a product that is sufficiently good to get the customer to pay. Once you're at that point, stop investing so much money in building the product. Keep incrementally improving it, right? But now you've got to shift into sales and marketing mode because at the end of the day, that's what's going to get the revenue, right? You can't just build, everybody thinks like, oh, well, Facebook, you know, they never stop building product, but like you're not Facebook, right? And you're not Steve Jobs, right? Like just get to the product, and then when you have the product people pay for, it, do more sales and marketing, right? And just stay focused and keep the cost low. And if you are stupid enough to not listen to this advice and launch a second product, maybe have like a subsidiary company for that product so that if you take on a bunch of debt and you screw it up, it doesn't kill your, your parent company. Yeah, so yeah. I would say that's probably a good idea too if you decide to disregard my advice. <laughs> oh, that's funny man so look uh, let's double click on some of that advice what in terms of failure right or the importance of failure in business success what is your advice to other ceos or entrepreneurs right now in terms of like the importance of failing in business or the relationship with failure yeah i mean i think for first-time founders it's just kind of what happens i mean i heard someone i think it was a venture capitalist once say it takes 10 million dollars to educate a ceo i just don't want it to be my 10 million dollars so like, you know, I started entrepreneurship when I was like 21 and I screwed up so much stuff. Um, and I actually don't think that 21 year olds should like drop out of college and, you know, just do business only. That's kind of what I did. Like I took time off from school and then I ultimately finished. But I think that like a formal business education can actually help. Um, 
doesn't necessarily have to be business school, but like there's a lot of great ways to, you know, get a formal business education, whether it's like a part-time MBA or just taking courses. Um, that's super helpful that I wish I took when I was younger, instead of just like watching the social network, watching the Steve Jobs movie and be like, oh, let me go do that. Like you need to become like a professional, right? Like you, you can't just like be a startup in a garage forever. You need to develop frameworks for your, your thinking. So uh, do school and your startup at the same time. If you're in your, in college, I would say. Yeah. it's good advice. Don't all listen to Gary Vaynerchuk people. Um, oh no, no, no. I used to do that. I stopped doing that. Yeah. 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 I don't know what's happened to him. Now he's on like the quantum qual story. It's like, what? No. <laughs> Anyway. I, I, lost, I lost track. I lost track. Yeah, yeah. No, we're moving on, people. So, Lawrence, are there any books or resources or tools that you recommend uh, other CEOs, entrepreneurs should use on their journey? Yeah, well, I mean, I think like the Startup Bible is the lean startup for sure. Um, there's there's one program that I'm doing right now that's really awesome. It's, it's through Harvard Business School. It's called the Program for Leadership Development. And it's kind of like um, an executive MBA. It's kind of their version of it. And you do it kind of like, um, there's four modules. You do some of it online and then you go on campus in Boston twice for two weeks with like a little living group of other executives. And so if you feel like you're a busy entrepreneur and you don't want to go do an MBA full-time for two years, this is like a life-changing program that, you know, maybe you could consider. Um, but aside from that, I would just listen to the lean startup 20 times in a row. <laughs> very good. Very good. Very good. All right, Lawrence, look, that concludes your time in the hot seat. Thank you for sharing your story of fail, failure, rather, um, or story of fail, I suppose it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, man, just, you know, keep pushing and, uh, um, you know, you've done a great job. Enjoy London, uh, you know, thank you. Or, or England. Um, and uh, yeah, man, thank you for being on the show. It's been a privilege hosting you. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, again, failure can be the stepping stone to success. So keep failing, but learn from it. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Thanks, everybody.